0: On today's episode of Chime In, we want to highlight women in sports. On the heels of International Women's Day, we think it's only right to showcase some of the women who are making
1: major impacts in sports and beyond. Welcome to Chime In, first episode. I'm kind of nervous. Are you?
0: No, well, I'm excited just to kind of discuss some of these good, and hot topics that are trending in the sports universe. I
1: mean, because we have this talk all the time. Whenever we get together, we always have this kind of talk. And, you know, I figure since I spend like most of my free time watching sports, studying sports, talking about sports, why not just put it on wax? All yeah.
0: right. I agree. I agree. All right. Um, especially so I can have... You know, some of this stuff documented where the information that I gave to you is, is available for you to recap and replay so you know when you're wrong.
1: Well, whenever I am ever wrong, we'll cross that bridge when I get there. I haven't been wrong yet,
0: okay. so... <laughs> so, what are our topics for
1: today? Um, There has been some interesting headlines lately in sports. Um, I'm going to start off with LeBron. I mean... <laughs> I'm a LeBron girl, so um, this season has not went the way us LeBron fans thought it was going to go, um, seeing as how Lakers are probably not going to make the playoffs.
0: Right. I I think, honestly, that was probably the biggest um, downfall. If they would have made it to the playoffs, I don't think it would have been as bad. Uh, but I think the fact that there was so much hoopla around him going to L.A., and, of course, the L.A. franchise as a whole, there's so much – That they expect, even though they haven't been winning since, what, Kobe and Shaq.
1: It's been six years since they made the playoffs.
0: But I think the expectation was, at a minimum, make it to the playoffs.
1: Okay, I mean, and you know what, that's fair. I mean, I definitely thought, for sure, they can make it to the playoffs. But let's look at how the season went. The season started off a little shaky, which is expected, coming into a new system. Then they started ramping up, right? But then he gets injured. Right. First time ever. Being injured in his career, and this team cannot function without him.
0: Well, they they're gonna have to find a way to function without him. You know, if if you're gonna compete they in the Western, if you're gonna compete in the Western Conference, you have to be able to function as a whole without but, him.
1: But they ain't been competing before he got there.
0: And I think they're a new team, so of course, I would expect at least two to three years from they really build that chemistry. So if, expecting just to just insert a superstar with some young players that don't have too much. You know, structure, that's a, that's a big... We
1: don't have two or three years, though. This year is already a loss.
0: Well, next year, if you could get some good pieces in there, some veteran, you know, veteran-caliber players... We need
1: another star. The The Pelicans, pure point blank, hate it. They hate it. They didn't want to pull the trigger on AD, and they hate it. So if LeBron would have at least gotten another bonafide star, they could have maybe made a late push but him getting injured at the date that he did Christmas day and being out for what a month, month and a half maybe.
0: I think part of it was yes, he was injured, but I I think he didn't necessarily build the team around him. I think he was still trying to fill out his players or his teammates and I don't think the teammates are necessarily gravitating to him. So there's still kind of that divide. And as a team, you have to play, you know, as a unit.
1: Do you know what a privilege it is to play with LeBron James? I understand. Like, do people really understand that? Like,
0: He's one of the greats.
1: He is one of the greats. But when
0: we're talking about getting W's, all of that is out the window. Because we, because we need to we need to get you to insert yourself into the team element and also get some of these young guys to buy into what you're trying to do. You because don't think really, they bought in? No. Nah, clearly they didn't. Because they look like they pretty much threw in the towel.
1: Or, I mean, should they just grow up and suck it up? Like, I know they feel a way because their name just tied to, you know, a uh, trade... Uh, trade scenarios, but that's a part of the game. Like, you can't let that let you go under. Like, you got to just recover from that. Yeah?
0: Well, yeah, If you're, I think if you're a more senior, experienced player, you understand it comes with the game. But if you're young, I think a lot of times you let a lot of stuff – there's so much going on, especially in L.A. L.A. is not your typical market. You. It's have, not. The life outside of the game is sometimes bigger than what's going on on the court. So – for them, they have a lot of distractions. If you don't have somebody who can command the locker room and lead them and guide them, so and you, you have this so you new think, force.
1: You don't think he... Come on, LeBron's the ultimate leader, really? He's a he's a player's player. <clears throat> like, he, he looks at his teammates, as brothers.
0: He does, he's but... He's a I,
1: guy's guy.
0: I think the bar may be a little bit too high for them at this point. Not that they can't make it. I think, you know, some people take... It takes a while for them to actually get acclimated to what the expectation is are. because clearly MJ or Magic Johnson he wants to build the next they want they want to build the next dynasty and that's why they brought LeBron in. the
1: reality is is that LA was a landfill before LeBron got there it was a landfill they had a lot of things wrong within the organization and this is a franchise that's used to winning and they haven't been winning
0: right
1: and all they have is a, a bunch of young players with a lot of potential but not a lot of consistency so it was a tall order to think LeBron could really come and save. In one time, season. In one season. And funny enough, had he not got injured, and he's not the only one that's been injured either. A lot of their key players have been injured throughout the season. It's just a bad deal. Like, it's just a bad season. A lot of injuries. Chemistry issues. It's just it a sounds bad
0: like, recipe. Per- it like a perfect storm to me.
1: Perfect storm for what, though? Not to make the playoffs. <sighs> and they probably won't. Tear. Ugh. All right, well, it's not over till the fat lady sings. I mean, yeah, they're sitting seven games outside of the eighth playoff spot, and there's like 15 games left, but I believe in going down with the ship. It's not over until you see that E eliminated in the standing, so you just never know. I just know if anyone's capable of pulling off this kind of a, a trick, it would be him, but it's, it's highly unlikely, but... I, don't I know.
0: think it would probably be just the smartest thing to do rest up, prepare for the next year. you already hurt. You... He has a lot of years in the game, a lot of miles. The best thing is just recover and play yeah. for the next year.
1: And later on, we'll fully go into just how many miles he has and what makes him the special player that he is. But I'm yeah. glad
0: you didn't say the GOAT.
1: Oh my goodness. Special can it, Okay, piece... can there be more than one goat? No. Yes!
0: That's why there's the goat, not no this.
1: listen, <laughs> listen. Do you know what my compromise is? Because I'm a Michael Jordan girl too. Okay, like Space Jam, that was the shit growing up. Come on, like that was like something spectacular. And Michael Jordan, okay, first of all, being from Houston, we definitely experienced our back-to-back championships of 94 and 95. But then don't why are you looking like that? <laughs> We're talking about goats. Okay, I'm just, can I tell my life story? Okay, so I'm a basketball girl through and through, okay? So I remember those times, you know, I was about six, seven years old, those championships. But I'm a Jordan girl, too. I mean, he really put the game on the map, did a lot of things for the game. So to me, my compromise is that Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. No question. Hallelujah. LeBron James is the greatest of this time. He's the GOAT of this time. I agree. Um, like, no question. Just give me that.
0: So we're talking We're talking on an era basis. Like, for his era. Pretty much. Kind of like Kobe had his era. You know, different Kobe, players.
1: Kobe? Uh, yeah. They have
0: their, their areas right. where they dominate, and they were just above, way above their, you know, their colleagues.
1: The way I look at it just depends on what kind of basketball do you like, what kind of player do you like. I feel like I have the best of both worlds because I was old enough to know who Michael Jordan is and watch a little bit of him in his ultimate prime, but I watched all of LeBron James' career from St. Vincent, St. Mary, from him having his high school game on ESPN while an NBA game was playing on espn too. Like, I've been there since day
0: one. So you were like the analog of the digital Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So you remember, like, it's the messenger and
1: I do, it's the messenger.
0: Millennials don't know anything about this, so that's like fun. that is very but true. I think it does make it, I think it does make a good argument when you're actually able to see that firsthand, it makes it more relevant, and then you can speak to it. But a lot of times with history, like if you don't know, sometimes you're just like, Yeah, who cares? Like,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I wish I knew more about the mechanics of Michael Jordan, but in his, I mean, he came in the league in what 84? I wasn't even born, so <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So everything I've had to see has been going back watching specials, watching videos and things like that. And then catching his his 90s run which is like unmatched. Unmatched. At the end of the day, Michael Jordan is the GOAT. 6-0 in the finals, he don't lose. That right. is unmatched without a doubt. But LeBron James is the GOAT of this time and he's somebody, he's a well-rounded player and he plays the game the right way. To me, I feel like LeBron can affect the game in many different facets. It just depends what kind of player you like. If you like somebody who's just going to take the last shot, if that's what kind of basketball you like, then you're a Michael Jordan kind of person. You're even a Kobe kind of person. But I'm a LeBron person because LeBron can take that shot and make that shot. He can also make the pass that's going to make the play. He can also make the block. He can make the steal. He can grab the rebound. He can do all of that.
0: He's a a pass-first person. But like you said, depending on what type of player you like, I like a person who's clutch, who's like – Give me the ball. I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna get. But I'm you don't this to you think he the has that at
1: all? Y'all do not give this man enough credit. He's
0: he's great at what he's great at, but he that's not his fault. Oh
1: my goodness. He oh will. my goodness. I, you know I'm not even gonna go on this tangent because we'll be here forever talking about that. Y'all do not give this defer, man credit. Defer, defer. I'll defer. I'll defer right now. We'll we'll table that for another okay. episode because you guys don't give him his credit. But seeing as how you know I can pretty much accept the fate of LeBron. This year in the NBA, you know, first time in nine seasons, he will not be going to the finals. So who's going to beat Golden State? Somebody has to.
0: Now, I think the argument is Houston is looking like the favorite.
1: We need to come through and do this. Now,
0: I think part of the problem is can they be healthy the Hmm. whole rest of the season? They've always had issues come this part of the season where they have a good run, you know, the second half of the season. And then something happens where Chris Paul may get hurt. And God forbid he gets hurt. Do you have a good enough bench that could kind of, you know, hold them down until maybe he could make it to the finals or the you know, second round mm-hmm. something something Let like that. Let me tell you,
1: the entire sports world, matter of fact, the entire world knows if Chris Paul doesn't go down in Game Five, we hoisted our third championship last season. Everyone knows that we we're, we're going to the ship. Everyone knows that we had Golden State on the ropes. We won game five in Houston. We won game five in Houston. We went up 3-2. So we had two, two chances to knock them out, including mm. game seven at home.
0: But I think that's where the inexperience just weighed in, you know. You're looking at an experienced team that has so much talent that it's, it's overwhelming. It's, unfair. it's overwhelming. The way they
1: did that was unfair. I mean Ugh. they're not
0: doing anything but going out and executing their gameplay. Steve Kerr puts him in the best position to win, whereas Houston is like, we just I just wanna make let it. Let me tell you,
1: let me tell you the the reason why Houston we stumble. Is when that shot is not falling, we do not have a plan B.
0: I think that's a lot of people, you know, like you live by the shot, you die by the shot. A lot of those teams that are built around that, you can't really survive. You
1: can't do that against the team with some of the greatest shooters in the history of the game. You can't do that. That shit kills me. How can we miss 27 threes in a row? Like after miss 13, we didn't want to run another play. We did not want to try something else.
0: Oh. They've never really had Come a big on. inside game. Now, Capella, he's developed. They've picked up Fareed. They've picked up some other role players, but they've never had that interior presence that will help them do that. And the West Coast offense or West Coast style of play is like, you know, run and gun. So True. they're trying to compete with them, but you're really not going to compete with Golden State. If you're going to be with them, if n- you're not going to go shot way. for shot, right?
1: Not because that's the, the thing. Th- we don't have any shooters on our team, we have people who know how to score. James Harden is not, a, is not a shooter. He's a scorer. He's a scorer. Right. He knows how to score, but he's not a shooter. Chris Paul is not a shooter. He, he knows how to score if he needs to, and he's a distributor. Right. And he plays defense, but he's not a shooter. Golden State has shooters. Like historic shooters. So if you want to go shot for shot with a team like that, you're not going to win, baby. You're not.
0: Or you just have to double down on your defense. Like, if you have really good, def- you know, defenders that could kind of reduce their point scoring and you could possibly get some good scoring on the other end, then you may possibly have a chance. But that's asking too much. Because you got to think about their bench is almost 10 deep. They can rotate yeah. shooters all day. And if okay, you don't well, have-
1: first of all, they come in with, with a, a huge unfairness. You got two MVPs. Come on, like.
0: Well, I understand people's gripe. But I mean, at some point, you have to either accept it and get over it or make the argument that you shouldn't allow certain things like that to happen because it's a disadvantage for certain players or it also makes the, the game not fun to watch. Well, well,
1: here's the thing funny enough, I was a proponent of Golden State as they were coming up. Everything until they got KD was organic. They drafted Steph, they drafted Clay, they drafted Draymond. So they, they got that outright, right. and I was there when they were on the come up, Mark Jackson era. I was with them. I was like, this this team is cute. Look at them; they're really trying.
0: I'm a fan of the pre KD Golden State, because exactly. like you said, that was or that, that was a home. Organic. That was a home. You can't be team. mad at
1: that. You can't be mad at that. You and can't.
0: I, and I think the fan base along with the team just made it a whole franchise I right. guess that's the ideal franchise That's what you have fans that are loyal to the team but you also have players that go out and just grind and play yeah like, you can't get mad at... These people, they've been putting that blueprint together for years.
1: For years. They've it took years. It. Right. For- and, and San Francisco, Oakland, area—it's not that's not a big market. Right. You know, that's not the L.A.'s and the New Yorks and the Miamis and the Chicagos. It, that's considered, you know, mid-market, maybe even a small market. And they just have a loyal fan base. And they drafted well, you know, and it started working for them. You know, I, I was a huge Steph fan. I watched him in college. When he was at Davidson, I watched it, so I've seen him come, and I even wa- and I even remember watching um Clay Thompson's progression because mm. I I have a good friend of mine she uh, she went to school with him, and so it was funny because when he was on his on his um on his incline I would text her like look at your your friend he's he did well today so but when they added KD
0: it was already it was overkill
1: overkill.
0: But overkill. I think I think teams need to take, you know, some notes. You know, when you're building your franchise, don't necessarily because now they're just trying to copy and paste what they're doing. Oh, we need the big three. LeBron introduced the big three. They didn't necessarily need a big three. They built a real well founded foundation of team. It's almost kinda like they used the nineties blueprint. Well LeBron,
1: LeBron did not introduce the Big Three.
0: Well, he made it more... You,
1: he, know, you, know what it, you know what it was? Because to me, if I'm going to credit Big 3...
0: It does go to um, Kevin Garnett. It's I'm Kevin sorry. Garnett. That it's, was the original Big 3. It's the OA Celtics. The way he introduced it so right. loud and proud. That, that, that was like the did. real... And he regressed that.
1: He regressed that. We know but
0: that. I, 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 I forgot about the original. That. I have to pay homage to the you original Big to, Th- Those were the original Big, people,
1: Big 3. People have amnesia. But again, that's another topic for another day. So, to me... Houston, of course, you know, I want them to beat Golden State so bad. But who else do you think can really – like, okay, let's look at the East. Milwaukee's <sighs> doing something great this year, but can they – they don't have the experience. They were Celtics. Out, they if, were out in the in the second round last year, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. They're still,
0: they're still a young team. They're, they're a young team. Um, the Celtics, if they can get their – if they can get everything together, they they have a good shot. I don't necessarily think they'll, they'll – Beat Golden State, I think they could possibly win the East. They could win but the East. Toronto. You think Toronto I think Toronto's a strong contender. Toronto, the Celtics, um, the East for the last five, ten years have haven't been.
1: Well, first as of all, the, the East has been owned by LeBron James for the last eight years. So especially a team like Toronto, like completely owned. LeBron James has done I'm sure the Pacers fans have um nightmares about him. <laughs> Funny enough, I was at game game 5 last year. No, game game 4. No, no, it was game 5. I was at game 5 last year in Cleveland versus Indiana. And let me just tell you, like that was a hard-fought series. Round 1, that was that was hard-fought. Like they the Pacers tried. They did everything they could. I was it was the last second shot. I was there for that. Talk about a heartbreaker. That team tried. That team tried. But it's the LeBron factor. Nobody could move him in the East. They just couldn't.
0: Well, that's not really – got to think about it. It's not saying too much about the East because the East hasn't necessarily had that much talent in they comparison haven't. to the West. It they seems haven't. like it's just lopsided. The West has all of the big players, all of the, you know, the mega stars. In the East, you've got a.
1: You – got some pretty good players. Pretty like good some, players, you yeah. know.
0: But it's not something that you would necessarily want to pin up against a golden state. Yeah. In a five game series.
1: Okay, what about Philly? I hate Philly, by the way.
0: They're exciting to watch. Um, they could do something in the East. But if they were in the West, they'd I don't probably even know be... if they can
1: do something in the East, to be honest.
0: I mean I think they they can I think it all depends on the matchup, like with the playoffs. You know, depending That's on who you matched up against, you could possibly be, you know, win it all. But just looking at them on paper, they have a lot of loose ends that they have to tie up.
1: I don't know. I mean, Golden State, honestly, has not been quite as invincible as they've been in past years. But I heard still... Golden State
0: is still better than a great any other team. In because the
1: world. you have five all-stars. I'm just saying. That's so at any given moment, anybody could light up. Next man up. Ugh. That's how it's built. But but that, but that that's the frustration behind it is because somebody could get you in a regular season game. Right. But in a playoff series, it's fewer games, you know, and it's like, like they did yesterday against the Rockets. All of a sudden, DeMarcus Cousins wants to show up at like the old DeMarcus Cousins. I'm like, come on, like.
0: Not to mention that there are different schemes that you may draw up specifically for the playoffs, Mm -hmm. just because you've never seen this in the regular season. Mm-hmm. And as an experienced coach, I don't want to have all my goods out until the exactly. last minute. The surprise factor. Exactly. And Kerr, he's been in the championship game with Jordan. Mm-hmm. He's been in this championship game with his own team. So he has a lot more experience. So he he's not experience. as nervous as most other coaches.
1: That's true. That's so D'Antoni,
0: he's just getting out coached. He's players... We He's a great to, coach, but I mean, in terms of when you're in those predicaments, I see certain situations where he could have done certain things to kind of keep him in the
1: We way. need a plan B. What do you do when the threes are not falling? Right now, we either shoot threes or we get a layup. We have no mid-range game. We have no set offense. It's one-on-one ball. Get a ball to Harden. Let him dribble 300 times and put up a shot with the last two seconds.
0: Only thing I could say is get more talent. Get a third. Listen, get a third Houston person. has
1: always struggled with that.
0: What happened with Carmelo?
1: We didn't give my man a chance. We tried to make Carmelo the scapegoat.
0: We gave him 10, 12. 10 days.
1: games? That's it? That's
0: all you need. You need two games to show us what you
1: do. Are you do. serious? I'm joking. So man. you okay. So, no, they come on. They they did Carmelo wrong. At the end of the day, Houston came into this season with a playoff hangover. Okay, we were suffering from a great depression because we knew what could have been. So we came in. What I call it's a hangover. Injured.
0: But as a coach, at some point, you have to get that out of their mind and let them know this is a new season and we need to either use that to advantage or. DeAntoni's not
1: that kind of coach. Not so again, it kind of goes
0: back, he's out of coach. Like, you have to find a way to get your players to perform at the next level. If D'Ant- you know I'm missing in certain places, how could I use different motivational mm-hmm. factors to try and push them?
1: DeAntoni knows how to run an offense, he knows how to give you a show. But I don't know if he knows how to piece a whole team together. We had to have our defensive um, coach, like, come back from retirement. Coach uh, Jeff or i know I'm not saying that correctly—he retired <laughs> at the end of last season, and after the, the start of this season, we were under 500. He had to come back from retirement because we had no defense, none. So, I don't know. We'll see. Like The the, play, the playoff this year will be bittersweet because my man's is probably not going to be there. So I,
0: No, I think it's going to be a surprise because I think it's not going to be what everybody thought, especially with Golden State having the issues that they're having right now. That's what I'm
1: saying. It's not going to be sweeping everybody on the way right. to the finals. If they get there, they're going to have a tested road. But I'm really hoping that somebody will whoop their ass. Bounce them out. Because I'm tired of seeing the same team in the finals.
0: Just like everybody's tired cute. of seeing the Patriots.
1: Oh my god!
0: But I mean, if you have a winning organization, a winning system, I mean, what can I'm you-
1: ready for the Patriots' downfall. Oh, I'm so ready. When's it gonna happen? Let me know.
0: When Belichick and Tom Brady retire.
1: All right. How can we get them out?
0: Five more years.
1: Damn. <laughs> okay. So speaking of the NFL been kind of crazy the last few days like what do you what do you think about all this
0: i'm still trying to process some of the recent trades just for the simple fact that a lot of the stuff is coming from you know out of left field of course i understand a lot of deals are also you know they're pre-packaged or they're discussed low-key to keep you know people out of, yeah. out of the know um i think the biggest surprise for me because i'm a giants fan is the fact that odell beckham is no was I never saw that.
1: Sus- I was not expecting that. I didn't at hear all. anything
0: about it, and the fact that it happened so casually means that this was probably already thought of during the regular season. I think part of the issue is the fact that you know Eli is still back there. They haven't made any moves or any indication that they were trying to look or search for a new quarterback, which the Giants desperately need. We love Eli. No, they're def- they're
1: committed to Eli. They've shown that
0: to a fault. You lost. You You're lost right. one of the best wide receivers in the league. In the league, for somebody who should have been let go probably like two years ago. Yeah. So you you lost like, your future. It
1: was a terrible stuff season. in your past. Terrible season. Um, if I'm not mistaken, OBJ he was hurt last season, right? Or was he hurt this season?
0: Um, last season. Uh, last season.
1: He was, he was hurt, hurt last, last season. season. Right. So last season, like crumbling, was expected. He got hurt. This season should have been something different. And it was a nightmare for them, a nightmare.
0: I think the only highlight of our season was Saquon.
1: Yeah, I mean um, that, he, that's obviously. I mean he's a beast.
0: But it also made it kind of sad because like he's he may be one of those players that's so great, but he stuck behind a bad quarterback. Well, I'm quarterback. sad
1: for him right now. He does, he's got to get out of there.
0: Well, no, he now he's the he's the franchise. He's, he's got
1: to get out of there. If they don't draft a quarterback,
0: which I think they will. Now they, they better. Of, now they have no choice but to get you a quarterback. Do they? have to get a quarterback, um, protection, and now you just, you just let go one of the best wideouts. So who are you going to get?
1: I mean, they're starting from scratch, but they are committed to Eli. Okay. I know he brought y'all, let like just said, y'all. I know he brought y'all two Super Bowls. That's very commendable. But his his time is, is past.
0: Definitely is passed. It's
1: past, And if they don't draft a quarterback and at least start mm-hmm. introducing someone else into that system, you guys are gonna be continue, continue to be doomed.
0: No, what we'll what we'll end up becoming is the Jets. Yeah. And the Jets, which made one of the biggest trades.
1: They just got somebody though. They got Leon. Le-
0: the biggest trade that's probably the brightest deal. I think with the bar situation falling through, they had to make a pick. Yeah. Which was Le'Veon Bell. Um think that would help on offense. I don't still see them being a threat.
1: Okay, so what do you feel about Le'Veon? He sat, he sat out a whole year.
0: Oh yeah, I think now he's and like hundred percent. He's a
1: running back, yeah. He's,
0: he's a little bit older, but I think this gave him a chance to like recover, um, train. I think he's we'll, gonna we'll have. A, I think he'll have we'll a stellar see. year this year. I
1: hope. I hope so. I hope he does. But taking a whole year off of football, he'll work in the reverse view.
0: And I think he knew that. That's why this this is the year that he's gonna. This is gonna be like I told you so year. He's going to try to prove the hitters wrong. He's going to try to, especially the Steelers. I think he really has so. something out in the Steelers. And I think the simple fact that the same way that Antonio Brown went out, it just adds even more fuel to fire because it's two of your, your franchise best players that just exited behind a quarterback that was supposed to retire almost two years ago. Yeah. So that's it's just a lot of confusion. But I think Le'Veon Bell's going be I, I really to I I really, be in the top three. I really three.
1: hope he does because simply because – I'm rooting for everyone black. <laughs> I'm not even gonna play. The NFL has a problem. NFL so I'm rooting like for 90, everyone black.
0: NFL is like 95% black.
1: Players, but I mean, we're not in charge of anything. So that's a whole another, another a whole segment, other tangent.
0: But yeah.
1: Okay, but so for Le'Veon though, so at the end of the day, okay, so from what I understand, the deal that he got offered last year was like 70 mil, right? 70 mil for five years. But the guaranteed money, which is very important in in football, was only $10 million. And I think that's why he fought it so hard. So now he thought, okay, I'm top of the game. I'm going to really hold out on this. And then next year I'm going to cash out. So I think what happened, he didn't get the payout that he thought he might have gotten, but he secured more guaranteed money. Because so I think his deal is like four years, fifty-two million, but thirty-five guaranteed. guaranteed.
0: Um, I think when you look at it, um, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. I don't think the response worked in their favor. Yeah, um, yeah, you waited it out, but at the same time, I think you thought more people were going to be, you know, banging down your door. And yeah, that's
1: what, and at the end of the day, he still lost uh, like what twenty mil last year, maybe. So, uh, I a, don't
0: know. I think as a player, of course, you're over optimistic, but at the same time, if you're looking from a uh, owner standpoint, I'm looking at all the risks. Mm-hmm. You're you're running back, you play one of the toughest positions, and yeah. you're older, and you're injury prone. All those are red flags. Yeah. Why would I pay you exactly um, more than what you the think?
1: NFL is just a different kind of beast. I mean
0: is and you mean? have to think about the pressure. You have to win every they're expecting you to win every year. So for yeah. me to lock up that much money means I can't get anybody for the next year just because I'm locked into this one person that may end up being a liability. Yeah. And when you look at Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown and his personality, you're not just looking at, you know, the score, but you're looking at how does that affect the team's chemistry. And so yeah. that's going to be interesting when you, go, when you go to a team like the Raiders,
1: who was yeah. pretty much starting from scratch from now. From scratch. Like, I think last year for them was a total letdown.
0: So he's going from a team that he's used to seeing win and mm-hmm. one ring with to a team that has... No,
1: he didn't win a ring. Oh. AB did not win a ring. Well... But they are a a winning franchise. A winning franchise.
0: And you're going to a franchise that's basically just trying to rebuild itself. Yeah. So they're going to expect a lot from you and you're not going to see a lot of the stuff that you're used to seeing. So I guess that comes with the territory.
1: And keep in mind, like over the last couple of years, I like Antonio Brown. I really do. Here's my thing with the NFL. Okay. I'm a basketball girl first. Fanatic. With the NFL, it's been a little bit more of a slow creep. There's more players. They all got masks on. (laughs) So it's harder to keep up with. So I go based off of personalities. It's hard to follow teams, but I like different personalities. I root for the Texans, of course, their home team. But it's just, you know, bear with me on that. So I've grown to like Antonio Brown's personality over the last few seasons. But I don't know if I like some of his antics or the way he handled himself with this separation
0: well i think from an entertainment standpoint personality is great but when you're mm-hmm. talking about winning as a franchise that is detrimental yeah because now all the tension and spotlight is on you instead of us focusing on and being prepared for the winning game everything is divided mm-hmm. so it's almost divided and conquered from within and so as an owner if we're worried about trying to make it to the playoffs and we're going to lose three games behind somebody who's having this tip pretension yeah. Uh, do I want that? And then you have to think about how that affects the fans. Yeah. So we have to manage all of that. Um, great talent, but your talent has to overshine. You know your antics. Um, that even goes back to Odell Beckham uh-huh. because he had a few years where he was just back to back, and I think that was just the frustrating from frustration from not getting the ball and just all the stuff that was going on with Eli. Um, we'll see if him and um, uh, Baker. Will be able to work out the differences, or not necessarily differences, or if they'll be able to mesh and be on the same wing thing.
1: Well, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that go into that. The NFL, I mean, you could have a whole discussion on the NFL and the mechanics of the NFL. So, personality is good, but try to let your professionalism shine through as well. You know, and I just think that AB kind of dropped the ball on professionalism. He could be justified in the way that he feels, but we don't get a lot of second chances. Right. And you know who we is in that type of a of a of a league. I would I would love to see more class and more professionalism.
0: But I mean, wide well, receivers are notorious divas. They're, you know, they're the divas. it just comes with the role. But this is a different era. Also, mm-hmm. everybody has more room to express himself. They have more. Right. And then also at the same time, you have a lot of that protesting that's going on. Mm-hmm. So some people do feel like I do need to express myself a little bit more.
1: Yeah. But it's just, I think that there's a way to marry personality and professionalism. And it's something I wish that some personalities would commit to a little more. Just mm-hmm. because, just because, and especially the NFL, the, the type of league that it is, it's, it's still so behind. It's not progressive as some other leagues. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I just was... Those were some moves I was... Kind of, I mean, OBJs has put my head on flat. I was like, what?
0: There were a lot of big moves, but that, for me personally, because that was my team and I didn't hear anything. The big stories were Antoine, um, Antonio Bell and Le'Veon Bell. I'm sorry, Antonio Brown and mm, Le'Veon yeah. Bell. Those were like the two, like, where are they going to go? If, is anybody mm-hmm. going to pick them up? We knew that. Um, but this just came out of nowhere.
1: Okay, but last year, did the Giants not try to shop... Odell a little bit? Because this could just be a continuation from that.
0: And that's what I'm thinking. The way it happened so smoothly, it had to be something that had already been you know, predetermined.
1: But you know what I don't like? I don't like when executives, owners, coaches, presidents, whoever, gets on national TV and says, we didn't sign Odell to a long-term deal just to trade him. And then two weeks later, you trade him. Well,
0: sometimes you got to hit him with the okie-doke.
1: <laughs> I'd rather you be noncommittal than to make such bold statements. They did Carmelo that way. They did Carmelo that way. For a good three days, they had press conferences saying, we absolutely are not wanting to let go of Melo. He's great. He's this. He's this. He's that. And if three days later... We've decided to part ways. It just, like, loses credibility. Like, I was really upset about that Carmelo move. I really was. I don't think he got a fair shake.
0: I don't think anybody's more hurt than actual players, but I think as players you know that it just comes with the territory. You know that, you know, it's a possibility. He's handling
1: it well, but I just feel like, I mean, Carmelo's a legend in the game. Like, no matter what the last couple of years have been like, he's a legend in the game. Like, on offense, when, when he was in his prime, you could not touch Melo.
0: But at the same time, it just comes down to a point where you have to get over. When a player is over his peak and you know that, you have to see it for what it is. Well, he
1: he made a mistake when he went to OKC and he was so adamant about not coming off the bench. I think that was the beginning of the end.
0: Great players have that that issue.
1: It's that ego. I know. I know. But the best players realize when it's time to take a backseat, a la Dwayne Wade. Um, Dwayne Wade had to hand his whole team over to I don't,
0: LeBron. I think that's an exception because I don't see too many other players that are great that are saying, "Yeah, you know what? I'm just gonna." No, normally, they've just retired because they'd rather go out, you know, at their best versus be a subpar player and have their their legacy tarnished over some. It, the less legacy, would not necessarily be tarnished, but you want to go out on the best foot.
1: But, I mean, but it, honestly, it's it's hard to determine that. Like sometimes people's seasons are so drastically different from year to year. Do you think? Do how do you think D Wade's going out?
0: I think they did. They gave him. They gave him the honorary treatment, just like they did with um, Novinsky. Nowitzki, Nowitzki
1: because they're, Nowitzki they're, Hain hasn't even announced if he's retiring yet. He's just old as hell.
0: And he's a legend, <laughs> and people respect him, and all that he's done, and <laughs> clearly looks like he's heading that way. He
1: Next year,
0: just like Vince Carter, these are <laughs> players that have been around for so long. Now,
1: that would be messed up if Vince Carter ended up retiring and he didn't get any fanfare. that would be messed up.
0: Well, he'll always get fanfare in Toronto.
1: No oh, absolutely. It. So, I as mean, as long as you
0: have your home team that supports absolutely. you, that's all that matters. But I think D Wade, yeah, he was a great player. I think they did it pretty well. Um, I'm surprised he's still playing. I think that's another instance where it's just you love the game so much, you can't see yourself not being a part of the game.
1: Well, I think I think that he here, – here's my thing with D-Wade. He gave Miami, what, 14 years? 13 or 14 years? And then he never got the money he deserved. He took a cut when LeBron – they all took a cut, but he took a cut when the big three got together.
0: Got some jewelry.
1: Got some jewelry. I mean, yeah, because to be it, honest – That was the whole point. Here's the thing. He was never going to get back there without that happening. Let's right. be
0: real. So that that was justified.
1: Yeah, that one was justified. But when it came time to lock it down again.
0: By that time it was too late. He wasn't worth as much as he was. But but to me, but, but to three. be
1: to be a heat lifer, you gotta, you gotta honor him. You gotta do something for him.
0: You gotta have your name in the rafters. Nah, you gotta be come legendary on. in the city.
1: People people don't It's stay. Wade
0: County. Everybody, it is Wade
1: County, but they, but but they never paid him what he ever deserved. So he took that out, went home to Chicago. Okay, I mean, that was a kind of forgot about that. Right, right. (laughs) He kind of forgot, too. Then he came
0: back to retire.
1: He came, basically, and he went to Cleveland, that shit didn't work out, then they sent him home, and then he felt like he needed to make a formal announcement and give it a last run. He's doing a farewell tour. A farewell farewell tour. Well deserved, you know, because he probably never should have left Miami in the first place, but they didn't handle business. They didn't handle business, so he would have never left had they paid him what and, and and still he will leave that organization never having been paid what he's worth.
0: But you have to and I think a lot of times I don't think players look at the organizational history. A lot of teams, a lot of executives, they're very, you know, they're very stingy. Yeah. I don't want to say stingy. It is stingy. They don't want to give up the they money. They
1: call it strategic, it's stingy.
0: They don't want to give up the money. And if you know a franchise like that, that has Typically, never giving up money for players. Yeah. Why would you think they would do? Shaq is the only, only reason they did it with Shaq because he was a big brand. Yeah. And a big player. So yes. yeah, I'm gonna because he's gonna draw fans and everything. But you as a talent, I'm gonna try and get you for the lowest dollar, and that's what they've done with him. And they could justify just based on the injury. He's been injured year after year consecutively. It's true.
1: And, and but you know the fucked up part is is that they always end up giving the big money to people who don't deserve it. Yes. It always happens. That, um, the that Texas
0: way. quarterback. 75. Oswaller.
1: How do you just. Where is he? 1, 2, 3, Cancun. That's where he is right now. Cancun. (laughs) Okay, Texans. Do you follow my Texans at all?
0: I follow them. Um, I know they got rid of Tyrone. We made some
1: moves. I don't know how to feel about these moves. I don't think they should get rid of him. Nope. Um, Got rid of K Jack.
0: And see the defense really kind of kept them in the game. Well, actually, the de- defense was the most consistent yeah. part of the Texas for the last, I say, three, four years. Yeah, maybe. Even, even with five Watt, years. Yeah. Even with Watt, Watt yeah. and Clowney kind of interchanging. Yeah, with, with um, injuries. That was where I did it. Seriously. Um, but I think if you can protect Watson, give him a good running back that's healthy, but with that defense kind of taking a backseat. I think that kind of hurts their chances. Cause they had they had all the pieces. I
1: think Watson was starting to put everything together to actually push him to the next level. Um I mean, and we and we have a gem with Deshaun Watson. We really do. He's still young. I'm rooting for everybody black. Let me root. Let me root. <laughs> he's
0: a no, I think he's highly underrated, but I don't know if they'll give him all the pieces to get him where he wants right. to be. Because you have Hop- Hopkins. Which is one of the premier yeah, wide receivers. Fuller's not always healthy. Yeah, He needs somebody else on the other side that can he can throw the ball to.
1: I don't know, Texans. Dot, dot, dot. We'll I mean, see.
0: They'll definitely be in the, the playoffs, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, but we need to move past. We got to push through at some point. I'm tired of the disappointing first-round exits.
0: And Indy, how Indy can just come in and do what they want. Even when, I, think, I um, think it's just for the simple fact that Indianapolis... They have experience, but they just have a culture. Some teams yeah, just have some, that grit. Some grit is going to over. If you have that grit, and you have some people that just know how to get the job done.
1: Yeah, and you know, I know the Texans have been around for almost twenty years, but we're still kind of a baby organization. Yeah. We still don't have a true identity. You know, but you have
0: some teams that have been out in less even long. shorter, shorter periods, and have been more successful. No,
1: we're. I think we're the last expansion team that was added. There's not been a team added after us.
0: I'll have to fact
1: check we'll that. will have to fact check that, but I don't think there's been a team added after the Texans. I'll double check.
0: But <laughs> even with that, um, I think, you know, they've within recent years they've started to make some moves to try to make them more productive, but they've kind of just been one of those teams that just kind of skated by, you know, 8-8, eight 7-8, eight, yeah.
1: or 7-9. I, okay. la- I mean, here's the thing. We have some really good seasons where we, we like last year, we had, like, what, a 9-10 game win streak? That was amazing to 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 watch and be a part of. But the thing about the NFL that's kind of infuriating is that when it comes to the playoffs, none of that matters. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's one game, do or die.
0: And that's why these experienced teams, they build for the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Like, Indianapolis is like, yeah, we can have a shit regular season. Yeah. But come playoff time, we know how to match up with the Texans. We know know what their X factors are. We can neutralize that and still beat them. Yeah. And that's kind of – it's like, yeah, we've been smacking you all season, but come playoffs, you know how to beat us. Exactly. Um, When the
1: fourth quarter starts, there's just certain quarterbacks that – just got to watch for him. Tom Brady. Hate him.
0: Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. That's my guy.
1: That's my guy.
0: I've literally seen him win games just like yeah. in the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, in the fourth quarter. Who else is dangerous in the fourth breeze. quarter? Breeze. Don't I mean, all the
0: legends. Breeze. You got to think about all the legends.
1: A, that's true. It's Luck true, can it Luck to can get it
0: time to time. Luck can get it. I'm ham- actually
1: excited for the Chiefs. Mahomes. Okay, no.
0: I, no, I'm just saying he's.
1: He's young, it's but too
0: young and too good. But he, I need to see some I need to see consecutive years to be because yeah, so if he's much. consecutively good, he can be behind a Tom Brady. Yeah. Because he's just he has that natural talent because he's you know, he has that baseball mechanics mm-hmm. and he understands and sees the feel like a, a breeze or to Tom Brady at yeah. such a young age. So if he can stay healthy and have the pieces, the Chiefs are gonna always be in the playoffs.
1: Yeah. But it's like, what are they gonna do to get over that hump? I think Andy Reid because I was a diehard. They got somebody though. They got somebody in in all this trade. Um, Um,
0: they had to give up some people to get to get that. Yeah. So it's not necessarily like they got a leap. It was just like fair even exchange. Uh, Um, but when you think about it, Andy Reid was my guy with Philly, but he always manages to get to the dance, but can't get a dance. Can't get over the hump. So it's like that's scary.
1: I'm just waiting for anybody and everybody to beat the Patriots. I don't know well, who I don't know who's worse, the Patriots or the Golden Eagles state. Won. That was like a really good moment for me.
0: You have, have the really Eagles, you have the Eagles, you have Seahawks. So you've had different teams that have won. They just always managed to be within the vicinity.
1: I'm just I'm ready for them to just implode. I'm, I really am. That um the Falcons um have their meltdown. Oh my god.
0: Pressure bus pipes.
1: Golly, but you would think if you up 25 points on somebody that you kind of got it in the bag.
0: That's the problem. Don't you know? That That's the No worst. one else
1: can come back from that. You know that, right?
0: Belichick is the master of the, the halftime adjustments. Ugh. He wants you to, because he just wants to assess, like, what are you going to play with? And he comes out with a whole different scheme the next half that you've never seen ever in history. So, Ugh. but he, he studies the game, um, and the team is built to win. But... I think there's a lot of good teams that could win this year.
1: I, I hope so.
0: I mean, the Chiefs, I really was rooting the Chiefs. And then, actually, the controversy with um, New Orleans. Because I yeah. think this is two years in a row that New Orleans has missed the play or missed this next round due yeah. to something. Some, con- not a country. Well, this last play was Well, I mean, with, with before, it was just a, that, was, that was a, a fluke. Oh,
1: my God. That was like just luck. I don't know what that was. Luck mixed with Jesus mixed with the football gods. I don't know. But we'll um, see. It's gonna be interesting. But the NFL, I mean, I'm just tired of seeing the same team over and over again.
0: But it's not. It's not necessarily like they just walk in there. They have to fight to get it. Get to where they are. Only the only downfall was this was the most boring Super Bowl. So
1: boring I've ever watched in my life. So and and you know what? And I called it too. Round about the in the third quarter or was it the fourth quarter? I said this game is is so ugly. The first person to score a touchdown is gonna win. Alone, lo and
0: But you said that in the fourth quarter?
1: Was it the fourth quarter that they somebody finally scored a touchdown? I mean, the
0: game's almost over. So even if they did score, it was, the game was already a bust.
1: But I just knew, I don't know if it was the third quarter or the fourth quarter when the first touchdown was scored. But the way it was going back and forth and they were just, you know, it was a few field goals that they could manage to scrape out. I said, if somebody scores a touchdown, that team was going to win.
0: I think the game was so bad, we had to entertain ourselves. Yeah. So I, I stopped kind of watching after a while. So...
1: Ugh. Do better, NFL. Okay. All right. So let's talk about Russell Westbrook and this altercation of sorts that he had the other day. Crazy.
0: I mean, I think this is something that's been ongoing in the NBA. I would say in sports in general. Yeah. Because the NFL has had issues with um, players and fans. Um, I think Peters had an altercation with one of the players in. Peter's from um, the Rams, L.A. Mm-hmm. Rams, had a situation. Um, Russell Westbrook, I think he's, for one, because he's he's a big personality. Mm-hmm. He's been targeted. He's a target now. He's a target yeah, by, for sure. by the fans. Um, but I think I think it's twofold. One, he needs to know he's a target. And then two, mm-hmm. I think the organization, the NBA, need to make sure that they put protections around mm-hmm. him so they can mitigate it. You can't expect him to you know not have any interaction, but I think – protect himself from himself because he's going to be Russell uh, oh, Russell. He, I mean, he's gone Russell. rogue at
1: this point because I mean, because he feels like there hasn't been any measures put in place to protect the players. And, and we're living in a different day and age with social media and that kind of an interaction. If we take it back to the malice at the palace, that was like 15 years ago now. It's like 04. That was not, in, that was not, um, instrumented by you know somebody being a target that was something that happened in the moment social media didn't exist back then but nowadays people are trolls for a living so those kind of personalities present themselves at the games which i'm sure has been around forever but the coverage of it is different things are captured on video things are plastered all over the internet so it's different Russell Westbrook is a is a special kind of character, and when he feels like he's fed up, then he's just going to go off the handle. Right. And especially he's had a few scenarios happen to him, and but he needs to know that he is a target and don't feed into that. But I don't know what the answer to that is.
0: I think um, the NBA commissioner has kind of spoke on it, and he it looks like he's trying to make emphasis. Place emphasis on you know improving the customer experience and also mm-hmm. the customer interaction. Um, he's aware of you know the situation that happened. Um, I think he hasn't necessarily been as aggressive in implementing policies and procedures to ensure that. I think it should be you know across the league, all arenas, all teams mm-hmm. should have a, a policy that ensures the protection of the players as well mm-hmm. as the fans. That new, of course, they have security, but I mean, I think they may have to step it up a notch. They do. That gets to the point where you know it's a police state. But I think fans should know that they have a certain level of standards that you need Mm -hmm. to hold yourself accountable to.
1: You need to conduct yourself Um, a type of way
0: because you're at yes, you're at a game, but this is this is a person's
1: workplace. There's a line, basically. I think with the moves that they made this week, by banning that fan for life, like so he was banned for life, life, not just the season, and not just basketball games. I could see that banned from the arena for life.
0: I could see him having a legal case. Um, I don't know. So, so I think by banning a somebody legal from like, yeah, because I think you have to go to his his word versus their word. Um, not I don't know. Well, they've
1: they, already spoken to eyewitnesses and people who were sitting around to th- they can kind of like.
0: That's pretty harsh, though. I don't that know. Is, that I, don't is know the, harsh I don't know. I don't know the details, life? but that seems pretty
1: for life. But
0: that just goes to show you that maybe there needs to be a better policy set in place. That you that's an extreme. You go from not even kicking a fan out to like your banned for life.
1: Yeah. How and about- they and they said not just, they said from the arena. So that's any concerts. Any, he can't step, step foot in the arena. Now, ha, filing a lawsuit, obviously to me, that, that to me dictates you have an, a motive. You know that Russell Westbrook is wealthy. You know, the arena, the team, they're wealthy, you know? So I think that this is just going to serve as, as a, as an example that everyone can learn from or go from because he got fined too. And some people are like, well, why did he get fined? I'm like, you know what? I'm going to understand the fine because of, of the nature of his, right. <laughs> uh, of his language, his demeanor, you know, it's just, it just wasn't the best way right. to handle that. I understand where he's coming from for sure. And I support him hundred percent, but you got, you got to show that this is, you gotta volley back and forth. You know, you gotta you gotta toe the line here. The players are important. The fans are important too because they pay to come see the the games and they help fuel the sports economy. So you gotta kinda toe the line there.
0: But I think you also you may be possibly playing with fire just for the simple fact that a fan is short for fanatic. So you expect these fans to be fanatical. These aren't you have your ordinary people that just show up to the game, they get their their bear and the popcorn and watch the game. But then you have some people that just on a whole different level with it. And they get tattoos and they get... Those people
1: need counseling.
0: But these are also people that make this a billion dollar industry. So you remove those and then you also take away some of your money. So do you want to shoot yourself in the foot? This is, at the end of the day, a business.
1: It is. It is. I wish everyone was a a, a fan like how... I'm a real fan. You know, I, I indulge in going to games. I spend my money, you know. I get into the game, you know, like 2016 finals, I had to watch by myself, Okay. I've excused people from my apartment. If they're in my apartment and they're obnoxiously rooting against me, I've had to excuse them from my apartment. So I'm a real fan, I feel like, emotion-wise.
0: That might be fanatical. Is it? Because <laughs> that's extreme.
1: I'll t- no, I mean, I need, I need peace and silence. I don't need to have an obnoxious person in my ear. I'm a gracious winner, you know? So I get it. So I feel like I'm a fan. I'm a real fan. But as much as I have a hatred for some teams or some players. I don't think I'm going to be calling out to a player get on your knees like you're... I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. There is emotion as the game is going on. But I don't think I ever directed personally to that player. And I have a lot of nemesis that I'm still not over. I still don't like Tim Duncan.
0: (laughs) But I think there's certain things that I think on an individual and personal level that mm-hmm. you really should never say to somebody. But at the same time, when you put it in context and understand that my whole objective is to get you off your game. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say any and everything. And I don't care. if I want you to be offended. Because once you're out of your element, that means I have a better chance of winning. And if you know that people are out there gunning for you, trying to get you to do that stuff, then you have to be smarter and wiser. How could I either focus better or make sure I just don't notice these people? I, I, I think that
1: me. everyone should should just take note of this situation. Like, I don't know what kind of fan you are. You're pretty easygoing. Like, i <laughs> like I never see you kind of rise until, up to. It. <laughs> until the
0: game gets to the point where it's like a blown call or a blown play. Okay. But I can understand it. So, but yeah, there's times where the game gets heated not You know, I show my frustration, I or I show I'm, I'm or I'm extra happy because of the simple fact that yeah. we had a real cool play. I think those things you appreciate but like you said there's different types of fans but regardless of the fan i think there should be certain protections i would not want to walk into i think you know in sports you know i'm walking into a hostile environment Mm -hmm. you know that yeah but should it be hostile to the point where i may get death threats yeah that
1: all, all that kind of stuff is all like to me that that is my love and hate battle with social media people just take things too far and too personally
0: and I think that's the danger now. Now you actually have access to these people. Like I know. I know, I have, I know your handles. I know your hashtags. Exactly. You're so much more easily accessible. So you have people out here who are not necessarily in the right minded, you know, state of mind, who could do things to, you know, attack you. So I think, I think it's very important that they, the teams, ratchet up their security.
1: They've got to establish the protocol and definitely watching that clip. Security should have been a little more active in trying to assess the situation. Once you see a player and his mannerisms have changed and his language has become colorful, right. you gotta step in in some kind of way. At and least we move mitigate him from the situation. The, it, something has to happen. We don't just look at it back and forth as it's going on, you know. So something has to happen there, and that, thats a job for them. Yeah. I'm gonna pray for them to figure it out.
0: Yeah, I think <laughs> I think one thing is because just real quick, um, from the clip I saw, that any time a player during a game can have an actual conversation. Like that, full blown conversation. It's definitely if you like, it's a, a kid you want to show, yeah, you know, you know, autograph something, give it to a kid, that's cool. But you're actually having an argument, and I can mm-hmm. identify the person. Yeah, that's dangerous.
1: It's dangerous. It. it I mean, like I said, the Malice in the Palace happened, and it wasn't, it wasn't somebody, it wasn't set up that way. It wasn't like I don't think it was ongoing. What happened? I think it was something that happened in the heat of the moment,
0: and then it just turned, and into it turned
1: something. just ugly, and it right. just was got out of hand, but. Things like this, I think that they can do something about the protocol, and I right. hope that every every fan and every sports player is taking note that these things are now going to start being assessed, and there's going to be some some punishments levied right. if you step out of line. I
0: think you just have to be more proactive. Don't let it get to That's another bad situation. They're like, is. oh, we're going to implement this rule. You see, it's already possible that it can get there. Let's do something now.
1: But even still, like, where's team security?
0: They have them there. You know, I, I see them a lot of times near the tunnel, near the baseline. They're, Somebody has surveying, to they're surveying the area. So they're on they're watch. And I think a lot of places even have them in the stands. So you have people throughout the building. But yeah. I think in terms of how you mitigate it, it has to be readdressed.
1: They have to figure it out. But yeah. Speaking of money. Okay, so you saw the story about the um, FBI investigation on wealthy parents paying for their kids to get into these universities under the guise that they'll play some sport for the college or whatever else. My mind blown. It's like things that we already know is going on is now coming to the surface.
0: I didn't know to that extent and to that level that they did that. I I, I knew about, you know, kind of the... The stuff that they talk about, especially like with the LSU coach where they're, you know, allegedly paying players under the table to come
1: mm-hmm.
0: play for the team. Mm-hmm. That thing you, you hear about a lot. But actually this particular case was new to me. I didn't know they did that. Um and I didn't know it was at that level. So it must have been an ongoing investigation for I would say for an extended period of time because it was what, over fifty people that were arrested? Yeah, well
1: apparently they stumbled across it. Um, by way of another investigation they were doing, mm. and then they came across some evidence or of some sort, and they started following up, the trail. and all the tentacles started attaching. So, I mean, I'm disturbed by it. You know, Are you really? A, a little bit. A little bit.
0: The reason why I'm not too surprised is... Not
1: surprised, disturbed.
0: I mean, in terms of, when we look at the NCAA organization, which is a very powerful organization, and When you hear controversies like this and the LSU and the bribery thing come up, um, they always take somewhat of a reactive and passive uh, stance. They don't necessarily do the investigation. They don't necessarily, um, I want to say, they're proactive in making changes. I think they want to keep everything contained so it can Mm -hmm. go as it's been going. Because this also goes into, because it's such a wealthy organization that makes a lot of money, it also goes into the case on the sports being or players being paid to play.
1: Yeah. Um
0: so I think they try to keep things under wraps but
1: Well, I just think to me it's it's interesting because everyone knows the controversies behind the NCAA, this billion dollar nonprofit organization and how many inner-city underprivileged black kids, you know, get a lot of heat for accepting money under the table. You know, and when, when, when they're just trying to survive, you know, to play sports. And in this case, it's wealthy families knowing that they can have an advantage by being a donor, giving money to a school to get their kid into the school, a school that they probably, you know, don't qualify for, um, don't have the grades for or, the, you know, anything for. It's keeping people out of the schools that may actually deserve a spot. So I think that this um, discovery is going to be really interesting to see what all comes to light. Because, again, I don't think it's something that's been, that's a secret, you know, because for a lot of people, wealth is power. You know, money gets you places. It gets you things. But I'm going to be really interested in seeing how all this unfolds.
0: I think, and I guess in defense of the NCAA, I can, I guess, say they're the the governing body. But when you're dealing with uh, a host of, Several thousand individual universities is very hard, you know, managing and micromanaging and making sure that everybody's following things to the T. So there's only so much that you can do. But at the same time, we also know that there's a lot more that could be done. Yeah. Um, And this is just one of those instances. And this is, like you said, this is something that they just felt. They just came across this. This wasn't even something that they were looking into. Definitely, I wasn't necessarily, I want to find out about this. They came across this. So that just goes to show you there's so much more that's going on that people don't know about. Well, yeah.
1: Someone's gonna have to justify to me why it's okay for a university to profit millions of dollars from athletics, Mm -hmm. for a coach to be paid millions of dollars for his job, but to pay a player is just so taboo. Uh,
0: The argument is I'm marketing you for the next level. That's always been the argument.
1: But you know what's funny is that some of these programs are not even set up for you to be successful at the next level. Because they want to pump money into their system. Right. So that's why you see a lot of those players at some of these programs. We won't go into full detail. But they don't make it in the next level. Because they were bred for that particular college's program. Right. They were bred for college sports.
0: But that goes back to the old saying, you know, sometimes what got you there is not what's going to get you to the next, to level. You next level. And it's I think true. a lot of kids don't know that. They think just because, oh, I went to a Duke a Duke. There's a lot of people that go to top-tier colleges that just aren't built for the league.
1: It's not built for the league. So yeah. you have
0: to, yes, you can get to that point, but you have to be preparing yourself. for it. So I think you have to take that responsibility. But should the players be paid, that's something I think is definitely going to be changed. It may not necessarily be across the board, but I think stipends and just different financial aid I, packages will be distributed. I think, that, I think distributed.
1: that it's a little more easier, a little bit more pliable than they're willing to let on. I don't think it's I that. I think it will be
0: incremental. It could be
1: incremental, incremental. sure. I mean, th- there has to be a system, you know, right. because you got to go, Division one, Division, you know, you got to go down from that. And then you got to go down based on endowments of schools and what they have allowed and what's coming in. I just know that when there's such a discrepancy, you got to figure something out. You know, I think us going to University of Houston, where we have a, we have an okay alumni base, but, you know, we're not, you know, these Kentuckys and Dukes and UNCs and USCs. We're not those kind of schools right. where the alumni, you know, situation is crazy. But we have a pretty good alumni base, people who support. You know, we're not even like a UT or a A&M in that respect. But, you know, we have some We have some. Have a that- solid.
0: They definitely... UH definitely has a, a solid donor base. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, you can... Even if you wanted to f- figure out a way, if you did it based on the endowment and also the alumni and the money that that actual... Um, like say for instance SEC if your conference is banking this much money on broadcasting and mm-hmm. television and shoe deals mm-hmm. there's so many different pieces of the pie that could be funneled back to exactly. the players is what I'm and saying. it'd only be a fraction percentage
1: all I'm saying is that I don't think any players at UNC are missing meals I don't think any of them are
0: during the season
1: correct but we know people that we came up with During summertime, you're on your own. That were, right. (laughs) Uh, Kind of, you're on your own. (laughs) On the record, you're on your own.
0: We'll see you in two months. But um, I think...
1: But we do know people we went to school with that were missing meals. You know what I'm saying? So there's a discrepancy there somewhere. But I
0: think that's with any case. If you don't have somebody that's going to champion it and it's not allowed enough protests, it'll just go on as it's always been going on. So as these players get more, you know, intelligent... And they're starting to unify themselves. I think it's definitely going to be something. They may even start a union where they're going to you know, take this case to Supreme Court yeah. or a federal judge and say, hey, this is and it will be ruled in their favor. Yeah. Um, but they'll be bought out before they get there because money talks.
1: Money talks all the time. And, and I'm tired of hearing the argument that, oh, you're getting an education. But are you really? I mean, what kind of majors are you allowed to have when you're an athlete? Are you encouraged to be a biology major? No.
0: And that only applies if you actually graduate.
1: If you actually graduate. If
0: you graduate and you graduate with a degree that actually is applicable, you can have a degree, um, but you know all degrees aren't created equal. Exactly. So exactly. It does sound. And like, then and when you think about the debt, the national debt or the student loan, it is it is a, it is it's a good a, case. I mean,
1: it's, it's a good thing. I mean, being somebody who was a kinesiology major, I had classes with athletes. And I saw the full spectrum. I saw the players who you could tell were being kind of brainwashed a little bit that they may be going on to the next level. Mm -hmm. So they didn't invest as much into their day-to-day educational, you know, allowance as they should have. But then I saw the other ones who were a little more realistic, who were taking advantage of this free education. Some even got two degrees, you know, used all their eligibility, got a master's, and just you know, parlayed it that way, so I witnessed a, a full spectrum, but something has to change. I don't know if I can put my put my finger on it, but something has to change.
0: Well, I think if you're going to go about you know, in, you know, instituting financial you know payments to students, I think there has to also be financial literacy in education. Absolutely, because I can't give you this money and not let you know what to do with it. Because I think that's like you know. When you get to the pros, that's one of the issues. Yeah. You give people money and they don't necessarily know how to best invest or manage it. You just set Absolutely. them for failure. There
1: has to be sports, sociology, and psychology. And
0: this this will actually be the best stage for them to learn when you have a little bit of money versus...
1: before When you're in between, when you're in that crux, right before you catapult into that, that's probably the best time to catch them.
0: Well, if there's any time to catch them, it's middle school and... High school. That's a, When they start uh, recruiting you and start telling true. you that you're going to play because, for these D1 schools. Because and, some
1: mindsets are already spoiled from then. Yeah. Because, yeah. That's true. Okay, so we've done a, a lot of talking, but we do have a key topic for tonight. And women in sports.
0: Women in sports, yeah.
1: Yeah. There's a lot there with women in sports. Um,
0: who would you say in terms of from an athletics perspective um, what would you say or who would you say is the most dominant um, female athlete oh
1: Serena Williams without a doubt right now I I think she's the representation of females in sports female sports and females in sports She's a winner. She's an athlete. She's a humanitarian. She's a mother now. She's a competitor. She's fierce. She's a woman.
0: I think I agree with you on on Serena Williams. Um, I think one of the things that I like most about her is how she's been able to use some of her obstacles and things to her advantage. Um, Because she's pretty much become a symbol of, you know, um, not adversity, but being able to overcome adversity. Um, she's, like you said, humanitarian. She's built two schools in Kenya. Um, she's actually just launched her own fashion line. Mm-hmm. She's al- She's always had a collection with um, Nike and I think a few other brands, but she's just recently launched her own line. Um, so she's been able to use her platform to showcase and empower women and motivate women um, that are necessarily in sports, but just women in general. And I think I like her message And her being able to partner with Nike to kind of, you know, own her voice. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of people that try to tell her what she can't wear or Mm -hmm. what she can't say. And and I think she's representative of a lot of black women just in general. Yeah. How she receives different backlash than, say, for instance, somebody else from a different background, you know. Right. And so her not wavering and her standing, you know, sticking to her guns is a testament of her. And I think that's what makes her... Stands apart, um, different from a lot of the other athletes. Um, On top of the fact that she has twenty three Grand Slams, yeah, I I think a lot of people don't understand how hard it is to win a Grand Slam. Period. It is, and she's dominated the sport like I don't think any other sport or any other athlete has. But she doesn't get as much accolades.
1: So what is that with women in sports? Like, why are we so underrepresented?
0: I think well. I think the main thing is just for the simple fact that typically we associate sports with men, masculinity,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: manliness. So we don't necessarily gravitate to women in sports. And then when we see it, we kind of think it's like, oh, that's cool. I don't think it's appreciated as much. It's not. I worked um, when I was a U U of H. I work women's basketball. Right. So I got a chance night after night to see firsthand mm-hmm. how the fundamental games are is. I would like to say superior to Yeah, it is. Um, but our turnout was definitely a lot less than the men's um, basketball games. Yeah. In tradition, that's how it is. You know, a lot of the marketing and some of the funding goes more towards the men's sport because most attendance is with the men's sports versus, you know, female sports. Right. Um, but when you actually look at the content and some of the performance, it's like, it's, it's a great game.
1: So, I mean, so I'm not an athletic person. <laughs> okay. Like that's not a secret. I never played sports. Okay, I don't really like to sweat. <laughs> but I'm a lover of sports. Like all sports. I love sports in general. I think it's just unifying. Mm-hmm. It's a talking point. You know, do people just not like to see women play sports?
0: I don't think it's necess- I don't even think it's necessarily they don't like to see women play. I just think it's not marketed the right way or okay. marketed enough. Um, and like I said, when you think when you are looking at it from just a pure business or number standpoint, mm-hmm. for males in sport, uh, football and basketball, the number, of, the percentage of people that actually make it to the league or make it to the next level is so far in between. I think people are so honed in on that they don't spend time anywhere else. Um, yeah, because the game and the nature of the game is so competitive. It's like Anything else is kind of like obsolete. And so I don't think women are taking into consideration, but women have to deal with, and even more, because they have almost a smaller pie. They have a fraction of the marketing dollars, a fraction of all the business and endorsements. Right. And they're still trying to showcase their talent. And typically they have to go overseas to get more money. Right. To I was just going to
1: say, I think that women's sports is appreciated more on an international platform. If you look at the Olympics, um, the most amazing athletes, and may, and maybe because sometimes the way that women show their athleticism is not in a traditional way, because we're not grunting and, and running and hitting, that it's not it doesn't have the same consideration.
0: I would have to disagree because I think they're just as intense, and even probably even more intense.
1: I, I mean, I know this. I think it may this be, I know.
0: I think it may have to do with some of maybe the perspective because we see it may be the gender difference. Like, we right. have a certain perspective. Like, we feel like men should be a certain way, women should be a certain way, and women who are a certain it. way aren't The received. societal
1: ideals right. maybe play, you know, the, the, comp- the competitive level of it. If we look at um, the WNBA and the discrepancy in salaries, I mean, it, it's a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. Like, some WNBA players make $60,000 a year. Right. I well...
0: Mean, no, I think sixty may be, that may be the max. I, I,
1: I come on.
0: Max, um, starting out, in comparison to 60, you know 000. NBA, a rookie NBA player who may make you know a couple hundred thousand to half a million.
1: Not a couple. The the minimum NBA salary is almost a million. Like I think even the veterans minimum is like it was like eight hundred thousand a couple of years ago. It may be creeping towards a million now.
0: Well and then
1: sixty thousand, sixty bands.
0: The the justification I'm not I'm not justified, I'm just saying the way it's justified is based on the revenue. So say it, instance, it's true. If WNBA I'm just using this hypothetically, they're making five hundred million dollars a season versus the NBA were making three billion. Yeah. They're just paying in, you yeah. know, a percentage base. Um but then I think that also argues: How do you get more people attracted? How do you get more people involved? I think WNBA may have some of the most engaged, F or most engaged fans than any other sport. But how are they getting more people out there? How are they spreading the you know the word? And their seasons are shorter.
1: It is it is shorter now that the games are shorter. They only play about thirty-two regular season games. I
0: think it's pretty much just the summer.
1: Yeah, winter. it's pretty much a summer league. Summer league in a sense. Um. Um. I don't know. It's interesting. I, I don't know.
0: They advocate. They definitely advocate. They have a lot of champions and individuals who advocate hard on behalf. But I think when you look at the bigger platforms, they don't necessarily acknowledge it. Yeah. Um. I think when you take, you know, a WBA, um, and you put them on a, a higher platform and you showcase it to more people, I think it would open up more doors. Um, But I think that's a conversation for the executives.
1: It is. And, and I think that, I mean, the WNBA is now um, a little over 20 years old. And I particularly remember when the WNBA came out in 97 um, because the Houston Comets, you know, won the first four championships of the WNBA. So I remember it being just such a a lot of media attention. It was a, it was a big deal right. for women to get a professional league And I think just as time has went, it's just kind of died down and it's just there, you know, it's just like an afterthought. So I don't know. A lot of people are speaking out a lot more about the discrepancy. And I don't think women's sports will ever level up to men's sports as far as revenue, salaries, incentives, whatever. I don't think it will. But sports fans... Respect the effort right. at least you know
0: but outside of you know outside of the actual sport itself I think women in sports um whether it be you know executive positions coaches um referees I think they also have a space there um and I, yeah. we're starting to see more um female refs in the NFL um basketball NBA um that's starting to become more of a trend, mm-hmm. but that's what 20, 30 years overdue. Of course, yeah, it it's is. a male-dominated you know, industry, so of course they're coming up... You can only imagine the things that they have to come across on a day-to-day basis because you're dealing in a such a hostile environment. Not from you know the people per se, but because it's a competitive environment and everybody's so out to win, um, they have to deal with a lot more, I think. I would think than just your, well, yeah. your typical male I mean, I think, referee.
1: I think that sports for so long has been male dominated like the entire institution of sports sports organized came out in a time when women didn't even have rights. Women didn't work. They didn't vote. They didn't um, go to school and get education. So the organization and the inception of sports came before women even had basic rights. So I think that has still filtered down through the, the generations of it. So, As far as women progressing in on the executive side, you know, I have experience with that. I worked for a professional organization. I worked for the Houston Rockets. I was somebody who at that time knew that I wanted to work in sports. I was a sports fan, but the intrigue of the business side of sports drew me in. But right from the gate, I knew being a woman and trying to fit in the world of sports was going to have challenges because I remember <laughs> I remember being in middle school and high school, okay? And I was just getting back into basketball. Like, I'm a teenager. I'm starting to understand more about it. Cuz sports is not easy to understand. I don't know if you guys just have a gene for it or you're born that way, but as a woman <laughs> try to understand sports, you got to like work at it. A little bit. So I was that girl on my dial up internet (laughs) going to NBA.com every day, reading the box scores, reading the recaps, watching every game possible of basketball from the NBA to the WNBA to college sports. Hell, I used to watch the NBA on Telemundo in Spanish, okay? I used to listen to Rockets games on the radio, okay, because we didn't have cable. At that time. And I would listen to the road games on the radio. Like I was in it. I was really in it. And I remember I would go to school. And you know in in class. You know the boys are talking about the games from last night. And here I am I come. I got all my facts. I know how many points he's averaging. I know who won by this many points. The field goal percentage. I knew all of that. And I had to fight for my voice to be heard. In the conversation. I remember that. It's like I had to talk louder or someone had to listen to me to validate what I was saying. I had more facts than anybody. But just being a, a, a woman and I was a, a girl in every sense of the word, like I was not an athlete, you know, I wasn't rough around the edge, <laughs> edges in that sense. It, me and that equation didn't make sense.
0: You're credit. And I think that just that kind of answers the question or shows kind of where people's perspective are. They didn't necessarily see you as credible just because you were a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that that's kind of where we are in the space of women in sports. And this particular lady, um, Michelle Roberts, who is the executive director of the National yeah. Basketball Players Association. Yeah, big deal. Um, and she was just recently reelected mm-hmm. um, unanimously, um, unanimously. A
1: black woman. Yes. Let's throw that and, in there. And
0: the first female um, executive director of a major sports um, union in North America. That's a very big accomplishment, but I think it also speaks to what you're speaking about, Um because I, I kind of read up on her, and she spoke about some of her obstacles and things that she had to go through to prove herself mm-hmm. to make sure that she could be heard. And, of course, if you're walking into a sport where you know, it's male-dominated, and if you, you don't come from the sports area, right. people are going to have a lot of questions. Yeah. So you have to work. Uh, You've know, got you to gotta
1: prove yourself, in a sense.
0: And that's sad to say, but that's kind of what it is. You know, yeah. you have to prove your credibility. Um, I think that's that's what it is in a lot of walks of life. But with women in sports, you come up a steeper hill than absolutely males from any other walk of life.
1: The, the way I looked at it, when I got, um, when I started working for the Rockets, first of all, my, my path to working for the Rockets was was an interesting one. Um, first of all, you, I grew up watching Rockets games, I had never been to a Rockets game, so it, I was just a fan from behind the TV. So even being in that arena was something that was unimaginable. So I remember my first um, entree into that arena is that I won basketball, I won tickets to a game. Like at at U of H, somebody had a contest, I won tickets to the game. So I went to a game for the first time in my life, (laughs) in college. And I was like, wow, like this is cool. This is really cool. Like these are like my basketball dreams come to life. I'm here. Like it's live. We're here. So I think I saw, um, but then also I started working at Toyota center as a waitress. Actually, that was my first kind of entrance into there. I was a waitress. So that part of it, I was a sports fan, but I was also a college student trying to survive. So I'm here to, I'm here for work, but I'm also a fan. The first game I worked was against the Lakers Okay, and I worked as a courtside waitress and Kobe Bryant, who I hated and still kind of hate a little bit to this day, walked right past me. <laughs> and I was frozen in awe. <laughs> but something about that, I was like, "All right, this is the last time you get to be a fan. You're here to work, get to work." And from that moment, I snapped into work mode that This shit is unimaginable. But you're here. Get your job done. So a year and a half later, when I end up working for the Rockets on the marketing side, that's the mentality I went into it with. Already knowing that I'm a woman, I got to prove myself in some kind of way just to be in this realm. That it can't be about anything else but the job and the game. And...
0: And you have to think about you have individuals like, say, for instance, you, when you're a trailblazer going into a new space, you don't have anybody championing your mm-hmm. fight. You don't have anybody who's going to mm-hmm. acknowledge your voice. So that means you have to double down, work just as hard to get your voice heard. Um, but I think it also makes it that much more per- point, more important for individuals who do get into a position of power. When you see people, you have to champion them mm-hmm. because you know how hard it is for them to get to certain spaces yeah. and to be able to kind of, you know, move up the ladder. Um but I think it's becoming more progressive, but it's still five, ten years behind schedule, yeah. in terms of you know inclusion, yeah. diversity, and just the different opportunities. You see the world has changed. You see there's so many different niches and segments of the market where you know you can tap into and I think will be great for uh, women in general. Mm-hmm. But I think because a lot of people are going by the old model it's going to continue to go by the old model. And I yeah. think it's going to have to be, people are going to just, you know what, if you're not going to do it, I have to kick down the door myself. You're going yeah. to have to kick down the door and be prepared for the hell that's going to come with it. Yeah. But I think women in sports is just showing that, you know, with the Serena Williams, um, Michelle Roberts, that, you know, there's people out there, women that are doing great stuff and that's on their own accord, not somebody else that's, you know, helping them do it. It's just because they want it, they have the desire and the will and they, the trouble it is,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. I th- I think that the thing when you see a woman so enthused about sports, some people automatically want to question the motive. You know, because that's a part of sports that I'll say most men don't have to deal with is, <laughs> you know, it being anything more than business. You know what I mean? So as a woman and as a woman who is not an athlete, didn't come up as an athlete, there's just, there's just an air about that. Mm-hmm. People question your motive. When I worked for the Rockets, there's men who work, there's women who work. But the way women were expected to kind of act or hold themselves was a little bit different than my male coworkers like there's a fraternization rule you're not supposed to fraternize with the players that's a rule across the board you know so man female whatever like you're not supposed to fraternize but if a male worker is having a conversation with a player you know it's not going to be looked at the same way as a a female having that conversation so is that fair I don't think that's fair
0: it's not necessarily fair and even today I think with things changing um, there's still male and male interaction female and female interaction I think it's just how they enforce the rules I mean of course you have certain rules that are in play but not everybody abides by the rules mm-hmm. um, are the rules enforced as you know there's always a gray area in all organizations all businesses um, no it's not fair
1: No, it's not. Like, if there's a rule that says employees are not allowed to go into the player's locker room, like, let's just say that's a rule. But Craig can mosey his way into the locker room and no one's going to look at him crazy. But Chandra, if she decides that she is going to mosey on into the locker room, come on. What's that going to look like? It's not going to be seen the same way. Me coming into that kind of a job, me being a, a fan, a super fan, a fanatic of the game, I was happy to be in the building. You know, when you, coming in in marketing, I was young. I was 21 years old. Um, a lot of my coworkers were older than me. Not a lot of my coworkers were actually working towards a career in sports. A lot of them, this was like their after nine to five gig, you know, or their weekend gig type of thing. But there were a few of us who were younger, maybe still in college, that were actually working towards careers in sports. So for me, this opportunity was everything. You know, I used to make a joke that said, I want to be the next owner of the Rockets. In that moment, I didn't understand it took billions of dollars that you made elsewhere to do that. But I thought somehow, some way, me starting to work for the Rockets, I was gonna work my way up and own the Rockets one day. <laughs> well, you get
0: enough good partners, you could purchase. The I rocket.
1: still need the billion dollars. <laughs> I'm working on it. Silent partners. <laughs> I'm working on it right now. But I just th- there's just a different air about it. There's a different air, and I, I knew that. I recognized that early, so I, I tried to act accordingly. And I'm not, and I'm not going to say that there wasn't a reason for people to feel that some females are there for different reasons, because I'm sure there were, you know,
0: I think if you look a lot of different industries that are you know dominated by different genders and they have, they have a tendency to have different management styles, you'll notice those, mm-hmm. those discrepancies just because like, these are, these are just societal norms. This is just right. how things are. Right. Um, and so, and also, people break rules. Yeah. And for sure. Most rules aren't typically enforced unless somebody gets caught in the act and is brought to somebody's attention. So that's just kind of what it is.
1: That's true. That's true. So, what about females on the business side?
0: Well, and actually, it's funny you bring it up. Um, I believe Serena and Venus are also. Um, stakeholders in the Miami Dolphins.
1: I heard that. So I did uh, hear that.
0: Women are definitely becoming more active in investment side, um, on the business side, because women, from a leadership standpoint, women are, you know, in higher levels of all government, all organizations. So it's not like it's something that women can only do certain. Women can hold any position they want.
1: Well, I think I think we're we're advancing, but I think that this is an issue that plagues us even you know even outside of sports. But I think we've made some advancements. Um, when you see, I think Becky Hammond will be the first female NBA head coach. I think at some point she will. She's an assistant coach right now, and I think that she, I think she'll be the first one. I do.
0: And see, I'm not opposed. I think you would. The issue you'll run across is certain people that feel, and it, it's not even just necessarily to gender. It goes to race, um, mm-hmm. you know, sexuality. People feel they have their ideals, and they feel certain ideals should be held in place. Um, and so I think that's what you're running up against. But it's, the walls are starting to crumble, especially as more people start to come out and start to take on roles, it can become more normal. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's not normal. If I'm not used to seeing it, it's going to be kind of like, you know, the, the purple unicorn.
1: Did you ever play organized sports?
0: Yes. So okay. for me, it was like, I was a student of the game. You had to be a student of the game to actually understand it. I lived the game. I For me, it was just a part of my DNA. I just loved the experience of being able to play the game and be around my teammates. So for me, it was just like part of my DNA. Right. I loved it.
1: So, I mean, so let's say you were playing a sport and your coach quit and the next day a woman came was like all right this is your new head coach of course think back to 16 year old you or at
0: first i would just i think anybody coming in as a coach would be surprising but as a female coach because i've never been coached by a female mm-hmm. i would just i would have questions like can she coach me
1: like do do you think women are credible in sports like do, it... you, do you look at women like Get, what, I, what does she know? Like,
0: No, I'm not ignorant like that. That's pretty ignorant. For you to just think like somebody... Because I look at a lot of the coaches that are in the NBA, they've never played a day in their life. True. But they win championships. True. So if you have the knowledge to be able to coach a team, I don't care what form you come in, if you can get us to that place, then we're going to go. And I think that goes back to even the argument, Then a lot of coaches and teams in the think, Black quarterbacks were smart enough, like that's absurd. But that was the idea, that, and you still see that today. That's a Even with um, there's not that many black coaches because they don't feel like they can win. You well, know, they
1: fired all of them last From last well, year, well, they don't get as much. They don't get as much. Cushion. They don't get enough leeway. Right. Okay. But
0: that just, I don't feel comfortable. It just comes down to your comfortability. Mm-hmm. If I'm not used to it. I just don't want to to do it.
1: Okay, but do you think that sometimes people show biases and prejudices without even knowing? Like you say, okay, just, you mentioned black quarterback. Last year, Cam Newton had that one interaction with um, a female uh, reporter, and she asked a question about routes, and he was taken aback, and he was like, almost like he didn't, like, how do you know about routes? And I don't know if that's, how he meant to come off or that was his true feeling or if he just was, you know, I don't know, but sometimes there are prejudices within you that you don't even know until they start manifesting. Because to me, you know, being somebody who's been an avid watcher and, you know, connoisseur of sports, anyone who really knows me knows that that's my bread and butter, you know, and I've had interactions with male friends and they know I'm the real deal. Like, I can hold my own in that. Like, I'm not just watching the game because the guys got on tight pants and, you know, cute shorts or whatever. Like, I'm watching the game and, and afterwards I'm going to have an intense conversation with you about it.
0: But I think you asked if I had uh, a female coach at 16 versus the female coach now. I think at that age I was young and naive. Mm-hmm. But I think... A lot of these new instances are cultural moments. Yeah, if you're willing to learn, but Some everyone's people, not
1: going to look at it that way.
0: Well, that's that's their down.
1: I think most people are not going to look at it that way.
0: I mean, that's I mean that's I think that just that just comes down to the individual um, themselves if they choose not to want to learn or they choose not to go outside the bubble. That's on them. Mm-hmm. You can't force anybody to want to accept anything other than what they're used to. Um, but at the same time, if you know you're good at what you do. And you can get the job done sooner or later you have to accept it.
1: Because yeah. I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna get the job done. And eventually you're gonna have to get on board or you're gonna have to get off board. But I think that's what it's gonna take.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that some people are just either born with the with the talent and the knowledge to understand a sport and develop in it. some people can be transplanted and kind of learn it. But I think that's a special skill and talent to be able to to know a sport, to understand the sport, and then to be successful in the sport. You know, there's a lot of things that have to work out for that to happen. Right. So yeah.
0: some some people, yeah, some people are just naturally gifted. Mm-hmm. Um, like you have freaks in nature, which are those anomalies that get those one percent. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. s- salaries, and then you have some people that just have the work ethic to just. I can will myself into whatever I want.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, then you have some people that work as hard as they want, and they never get to that level. That's why only a small percentage actually make it to the league, yeah. or even get you know full ride scholarships. Um, so yeah, there there's certain, I think, luck and genetics that go with it. Um, but that's the beauty about sports. If you can't, I think there's more money to be made outside of actually playing the sport if you set yourself up for the long run.
1: Yeah, I mean that's what it all boils down to for sure. Um, so like, so I have a problem with female fans. <laughs> Sometimes I'm, uh, I'm a little, you know, like off them because I don't feel like they don't understand what's going on. And it's kind of annoying to watch with some female fans. Sorry. I don't know if that happens to you.
0: That seems like it's a bias in itself. <laughs> I mean, that's just like with anybody. If, any, if you're not knowledgeable of something, you don't necessarily have an interest in it. Yeah. Some people may just you know, sit down in front of the game and be interested. But some people are like, I don't get it. So yeah. I'm not necess- I don't want to watch. It's confusing. Um, so if you want to learn and you become part of this fanatical universe, then that's great. But some, most people are like, I don't, I'm not interested. It's just like other things. Like certain movies, I'm, I'm not interested in horror movies. Mm-hmm. I hate horror movies. I don't necessarily hate it. It's just It just doesn't interest me. So I would never gravitate to it. So as much as I watch it, um, it's not going to do it for me. Just like with sports for some people. But for people who love sports as the fanatics, that's where the bread and butter is and that's who we're marketing to. we I'm marketing to people who are on the fringes or people who are more interested in doing X, Y, Z, you kind of focus on
1: that. Well, I, think, I think the beauty of sports is that there's such a wide range of the types of fans that you have. You're going to have people who are invested in it. You're going to have people who are there from the emotion of it. You're going to have people who are there from the tradition of it. Or people who are... The nostalgia. Maybe it's a family thing, or it's a city thing. You know, so I think that that's the beauty of sports, is that that all those people make up a fan base. Right. You know?
0: And within that, um, I think having to deal with women in sports um, like I said there's so much more opportunity I think if people kind of look at it from a different perspective look at look at it from the outsider um, trying to hijack the system I think maybe mm-hmm. if women took a you know a opposite approach instead of trying to go through the system the way you could still go through the way the men did but also see that there's just natural things that you guys notice that we don't notice and see opportunities and capitalize on it. And take it from that approach, I think you may have a a leg up in that run, too. Yeah. Because I think with anything, no matter who you are, um, I mean, you have to try to figure out what's the best approach.
1: Well, yeah, I'm just I'm just grateful for my experience, even though my career in sports, you know, didn't pan out the way I might have wanted it to. I think I learned a lot from it and I learned that there's at least an opportunity and I hope that the people who encountered me um, saw that there are some credible and viable woman figures in sports, you know, because I think that that's, what's missing a lot is credibility. You know, you look at some of the uh, the female commentators of sports and there's the side that, you know, they have the, the education, they have the, the experience they have the, they may or may not even have the interest. We don't know. But they package it well so where you respect what they're saying. Right. And then that there's the population where they have the looks to grab attention and they're a figurehead. So if there's a, a vast variety in that.
0: But well, I think part of that also goes back to the demographic. Um, if yeah. you market into a certain group that are looking for certain things, you can tweak it to get viewership and, and whatnot. Um, so. I think part of that is also they have to market it the right way, while also introducing something new to the marketplace.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the the the, end, the be all end all of it is that there are so many roles that women can play in sports. Okay, you can be the fan, you can be the businesswoman, you can be the sports commentator. Okay, you can be the coach. You can, be the, you can be the, the wife, girlfriend, groupie. There's so many roles for women in sports, so I guess everyone has to pick a lane. I not alone
0: So we're officially endorsing groupies in sports. I,
1: I'm just saying that 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 is a vibe, that that's a lane. I would not it's endorse there,
0: that. It's not the most. But
1: it's up. there.
0: It is profitable, but it's not. The is it perfect.
1: profitable? <laughs> I'm sure it is for some people. I don't know. Women in sports is here to stay. That's all I'm saying.
0: And I, and it's only beginning. Um, but I think it's going to be, a, it's, it's exciting to watch because I think a lot of the opportunities are starting to open up. I think it's going to bring new light to a lot of stuff that a lot of people have been blind to and yeah. close to. So yeah. it's going to make the game that much
1: more interesting. I think so. We're going to bring something different to it. So stay tuned. Chime in.